despite getting the lead off the line, there was absolutely nothing Sir Lewis Hamilton could do to stop Max Verstappen from getting his first win in the USA today at Cota. Welcome back to the Formula One Grid Talk podcast, everybody. This is episode number 145, where we're going to be reviewing the US Grand Prix. I'm your host, George Housen, and join me today are Phil Matthew of the Grip Strip podcast. Hello. Formula Shakedown, Steve Jackson. Good morning. And Jared Yacoub from the Hit the Apex podcast. Hey, everybody. Here we go. So before we get into the race itself, I have to apologize to some of our listeners and viewers that we've not been able to read out uh, the five-star reviews we've been getting on iTunes. have been some sort of technical glitch with Omni Studio or something like that, but we've got them now and there's quite a few to get through. We've got Nomad999 from the USA, by fun, by fun game, but it also from the USA. TM Morowski 19 from the USA. We've got Rufi M from Ireland and Georgia 5328 from Canada. Thank you all for your five star reviews. Lots of positive news on there. Thank you very much. That really does help us in the rankings. And if you want to leave a five star review for us as well, go to iTunes, make an account. If you haven't already got one, and just leave us a five star review on there, and we'll give you a shout out at the start of the show. So let's let's get into this one. So Max Verstappen got pole position as we covered in our first ever watch along uh, yesterday. But it was Sir Lewis Hamilton who got off the line, uh, better fill, and took the lead into turn one. However, Red Bull, they had two cars up there at the front. They could play the alternate strategies. And in the end, they managed to get Verstappen ahead and he stayed there. Yeah, it was definitely a, a great job across the board by not only Max behind the wheel, to be fair, even when they didn't get, he didn't get the start and Lewis probably got the best start he's had all year. He was within around that DRS range, basically the whole time during that first stint. And he seemed in control and very calm. Team was very composed and they dictated basically I mean, I guess the only good, the, one of the good things that happened was Lewis made that start, or else I think it could have been a runaway for Max in this race. Um, in the end, it actually made it a much more compelling race overall. But what well, I think the there's maybe doubt because of how Red Bull was coming in or taking pit stops earlier for Max, but Max in his own right and the way he's built himself up over this last maybe year and a half his self-control, his ability to make these tires last and not make create like make that massive error, not put himself in harm's way, even with the issues in traffic, which that was one of the only, that was one of the main keys that one of the, uh, they'll, we'll talk about. But I think that even with all the issues in traffic, even with one of the greatest drivers of all time bearing down on him, even with better tires, all the other things that were up against him, Max Verstappen, this was a turning point in this season. Five races to go. There'll be two, there'll be one race in, in Mexico, and then there'll be a three consecutive. I, I forget how the org out is, but it's kind of weird setup. But these tracks, a lot of them kind of suit the Red Bull more than the Mercedes. And this is a Mercedes track. This is a Lewis Hamilton track to go there, do what he did. It's a big deal for Red Bull and for Max Verstappen. And you just have to give credit to them. 
they've been uh, the best all year and uh, best continue to do that today. They had to work for it a lot harder than they, they've had in other races, but they got it done. Yeah, they absolutely got it done. And I totally agree with everything you said there. I think uh, going into this weekend, especially with how good the Mercedes was in Turkey, even Bottas managed to win in the Mercedes at Turkey. Uh, if Hamilton started at the front of that race, he would have won it, I think. I think there's much doubt about that. But for them to come here, Red Bull, and win a track that Hamilton in particular has dominated at over the years, it's a massive statement. And we've got Brazil and Mexico coming up next, which Max Verstappen is very good at both of those tracks historically as well. So, Steve, at the moment, I mean, there's still there's still a ways to go. We've got five races still left on the calendar. But as a Red Bull fan, it, it's very exciting at this moment because this was out of the six circuits we had left before today. This was arguably the, the worst for Red Bull, at least what we thought was going to be the worst. And they've won. Yeah, I think it's definitely a um a massive win for Red Bull. I mean that's that's obvious. It's it's good in a couple of ways. I mean it it helps their constructors championship attempt as well considering they got both their drivers on the podium. But the psychological element of this, you know, taking a win away from a track that's been just like a, a very happy hunting ground for Mercedes in the past is going to do it, it, it's going to have massive boons in the re, in the Red Bull camp and possibly have some question marks for Mercedes to try and answer themselves as well but it's not if I'm honest it's not the result I was expecting we got to I think Max's second stop and I I was sitting there thinking they'd stopped him far far too early and Mercedes obviously knew that and they just ran as long as they could with Hamilton to get him onto a fresher set of tyres at the end and I, I I mean, I thought that was it. And even then, it would have still been a good a good weekend for Max if he did come second. I mean, that, I mean, Lewis and Max would probably be neck and neck if that was the result. But now he's, what, 12 points clear. They've closed the, they've closed the gap in constructors as well. And we're now going into two circuits that have typically favoured Red Bull. And then we've got two circuits that are total unknowns because we've never been there before. And then we've got Yas Marina, which is usually a bit of a, dead rubber in terms of uh, actual on-track racing but I do think this has now set up the championship uh, in a way that it's now Max's to lose I don't think there'll be any sort of uh, any sort of major surprises at the next two races I'm expecting Red Bull to go quite well there Um, especially check out his home race we all know what home races do to do to drivers they can uh, they can make them do some unnaturally you know, talented things. So this is sort of stoked a fire that's been burning all season. It had petered off a wee bit. I mean, that we haven't seen Max and Lewis on track, you know, sharing the same piece of real estate on track for a wee while. So this was exciting. I was kind of hoping for a, for a repeat of Bahrain where they're actually wheel to wheel, but um, yeah, massive result for them. I'm sure the team's happy. And um, yeah, something I mentioned on Formula Shakedown, actually, I just did a wee sort of post to see, who thinks what for the rest of the year. And it's now gotten to the point where I don't care who wins because the the season's been that good. I'd still love to see Max take it, but whoever wins is, you know, rightfully deserving of it. It's been incredible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been, we've been chatting on our group chat and saying that, you know, this is the closest title fight. The only real proper title fight between two different drivers from two different teams. uh, That's going to hopefully go the whole season. You know, it's the first time that's happened since 2012 with Alonso and Vettel. Um, so to see it playing out like this is brilliant and I, I totally agree with you like I, I don't really mind who wins the championship it's just been a hell of a ride and we just want to keep enjoying it for as long as possible but you know it it does seem like it's 
majorly advantage for Stappen. But Jared, we've we've fought this before. We we fought all oh, the the championships done after after Hamilton won. I think three of the first four races and. Verstappen wasn't really close. We thought Hamilton's going to win it. Then Verstappen came back mid-season. He won. He won three times, I think, in France and Austria twice. And we thought, oh, it's Verstappen's now. And then Hamilton came back, and now it's again a stamp, you know, advantage Verstappen. But there's still time for that to change. You just, you just can't call it. Just like the race today, you couldn't call it until the last lap. Yeah, it's just ebbed and flowed quite nicely this season overall. And then, you know, having said that the championship change, uh, lead has changed like four times in the last whatever races. And, you know, it could have changed today again if Hamilton had won. So, you know, at this point of the year, usually there's, you know, like four four races to go or something, but we've got six still, or oh, five now or whatever. Is it five or six? I can't. There's too many races on the... <laughs> Too many races on the calendar, but yeah, you know, it's hard to tell, but Max's win today definitely does give him that advantage. Um, I saw in that, in that group chat, you guys trying to calculate what it would be like, you know, if Max had a certain advantage or it was this way or that way, but I'm with, I'm with Steve. Like, I don't care who wins this year. It's just been such a good year and, you know, may the, may the best driver win at the end of the day. Absolutely, yeah. It's been it's been brilliant, and you know, today we didn't we didn't see a, an on track battle directly between Hamilton and Verstappen. If it ran a couple more laps, we might have seen that. We probably would have done, but you know, honestly, I don't think either driver really could have done much better today. They both performed excellently. They both drove to the absolute limit. Even both of the starts were good. Hamilton's was just slightly better. That was the only difference. It wasn't a bad start for Verstappen at all. So. You know, I, I feel like Hamilton, even though he came second, he will be disappointed with that, of course. But I don't think there's anything else he could have done. He was the driver ahead. Verstappen was always going to have the chance to pit without him being able to react. So it was always going to be an undercut for Verstappen. So I, honestly, I, I think the people who love racing and love Formula One would have really enjoyed this one. This was a real proper battle between these two. And we want to see we want to see this for the rest of the season. We want to see the clean, good, clean racing between them. You know, it was exciting when they crashed, of course, but you know, we want to see good clean racing between the two of them. But yeah, let's get on to the guy who uh who completed the podium today, Phil. Sergio Perez, he's, he didn't have a podium for a while. He didn't have one since France, but now he's had two in a row. And it, again, it was a solid race for him. Some might say, oh, he's finished 30 or 40 seconds behind Verstappen and Hamilton, but those two are just in a different league to everybody else. He just, you know, Perez did all he could today, really. And he dictated the pit stop sequence, I think, at least in the first se- segment, the first pit stop for Max the fact that that Sergio was still within range kind of forced the hand of Mercedes. And that I think played a role too, you know, in the general general gist of how this race went. Sergio Perez at the end of the day is the number two driver at Red Bull. Usually a number two drivers at Red Bull get crappy cars that don't last races and they fall out or whatever. In this case, they've given Sergio Perez something to work with. He's also figured out what he needs from the car that will give him pace and give him the opportunity to compete. He had provisional pole yesterday too. Just and and Sergio Perez has never been known as a big quali- great qualifier. So to be fair, it's been one of his better weekends he's had all year. He did what he needed to do. He assisted Max and the team in their process to try to go and dictate this race. And 
he got the best out of it. He scores third place points based on where he was relative to Valtteri. He gains a bunch of points. The constructors battle gets a little more condensed five races to go going home. I know that he wants to win at home. It might be one of the most epic things. It might be akin to Senna in 91. Um, if, if Sergio Perez somehow or another wins the Mexican Grand Prix, you know, I think, and, and the funny thing is, I think it's possible. I know they don't, they want Max to win, but you know, it may be a time where depending on how things lay out, it might work out that Sergio might put it all together and put a whole weekend together because of how he ran here at Coda. It's one of the better overall performances all year, but I think it's something where he's gotten, he's figured out something. He's comfortable. He's feeling good. He's got a contract for next year. Things are very vibing very well there. And it's, it's all, all signs, you know, all things moving forward for, Red Bull Racing and Sergio Perez did a great job today. Yeah, absolutely, he did a great job today, and and there would have been some Mexican fans probably in the stands as well. But he's going to have a hell of a lot more <laughs> in two weeks' time. It's good. It's going to be incredible. He, he always brought an amazing crowd to uh, to Mexico for the, those races, and also shout out to the American fans as well. Four hundred thousand fans attending Cota across the week and I think there was something like 150,000 there today those are massive numbers people talk about Formula 1 struggling in America I don't see that that's that is a huge crowd to draw by, by any country's biggest, standards biggest draw they've had at Cota I think since their first race or first couple of races one of the biggest draws they've had in America period I mean outside of that in the first couple of years and then Indy the first year at Indy, uh, this place, it was packed yesterday. And I don't know how many qualifying sessions we've had outside of the British Grand Prix and here and there that have been that packed out. But um, if people, they, they, they're they trying to do stuff about code or whatever, I think that was a sign that whatever they're doing, Bobby Epstein and company at Circuit Americas, they're doing a great job for fans. And in turn, the track provides a good enough product to stay around a little while longer. Hopefully the finances, everything work out there. I hope so too. I hope it sticks around on the calendar. It is a proper venue for Formula One. It is a purpose-built circuit in America and it, it fully deserves its place on the calendar. We want to see it stay for the foreseeable future, definitely. And like Phil mentioned as well, you know, this, this new vein of form for Sergio Perez has come at a very crucial time for Red Bull. The Constructors' Championship, it wasn't that close before, but now it's getting within touching distance. 23 points, Mercedes' advantage. That's not that big of an advantage going into the final five races. That could easily swing Red Bull's way, especially if they keep getting double podiums like this. Someone else who was very much impressing today, Steve, was Charles Leclerc, another brilliant fourth place today we didn't really see anything of him to be honest with you throughout the race but this is a huge point hole, point hole for ferrari and he, he just looked absolutely comfortable he was even catching checo at one stage of the race yeah the tv coverage was a bit criminal at points wasn't it it <laughs> didn't really focus on um on anything happening behind uh behind lewis yeah really good performance ferrari have been looking pretty onto it for most of the weekend in fact i mean they've just sort of gotten you know gotten on with the job they haven't made too much noise i mean practice times and that sort of thing we know not to sort of take those too seriously but it wasn't looking like they were you know truly lacking for pace like they have earlier this year and now that 
both Charlie and Carlos have the updated power unit in their car. I think that's potentially a factor. Another thing is the absence of Mattia Bonotto, and I don't know if this is just a coincidence, but I do find it funny that when Bonotto's not there, and this is not, this isn't a go at Mattia Bonotto as well. It's just the, it's, it's more of a, a sort of, just addressing Ferrari's weird management structure. Having one man do two jobs is quite difficult but when there's not that overriding pressure there and you know uh, whatever you know whatever happens behind closed doors they tend to do quite well so i think that's possibly an indication that ferrari do need to look at that and maybe um you know put somebody else into the role that they plan for having for more than a year before they sack them and find someone else but uh, you know in terms of leclerc's performance absolutely spot on that first couple of laps tussle with um uh, was it Daniel and Carlos yeah. all having a go at each other? Was uh, was really was really good. Sorry, not Carlos. Oh, well, sorry, I'm getting my drivers mixed up. Never mind. Um, but no, <laughs> um, no, it was a it was a really good performance. It's just a shame we didn't see more of it, and that's possibly why I'm uh, possibly why I'm sort of getting my drivers mixed up. But yeah, it's it's also a good boost for their uh, their championship fight with uh, McLaren, which is very much still on. I think there's less than ten points between them now. Um, so that could that could very much swing either way, and that's that means a lot. I mean, that's that's effectively how much the team gets paid in bonus money at the end of the year, and that'll go towards you know next year's car. I don't think Ferrari is struggling for money, but McLaren might not have the same sort of budget, and if they can sort of take a chunk out of McLaren for 2022, then that's obviously going to help for them for the next uh, for next season as well. So yeah, really good drive. It's just a shame we didn't see more of it, but I think that was pretty uh, pretty common throughout the race. I think, I think it showed also how comfortable he was. There wasn't really anybody within five seconds of him for most of the race. He was just kind of, he was best of the rest for lack of a better term, which I think does a disservice to him because he was excellent today. He really was not, not for the first time. And like you rightly point out as well, it's very, very close between McLaren and Ferrari. Some people were saying after McLaren's win in Italy that they're long gone. They've got third. Most of us McLaren fans did not think that. <laughs> There's still a long way to go, but uh, three and a half points now, their advantage has gone down. So, it could easily swing either away still. That is another great battle in this championship this season. And one of the guys keeping McLaren ahead of Ferrari for the moment is Daniel Ricciardo. Joe had a solid drive by him today in fifth. He got his elbows out. He kept behind signs. He even kept behind Bottas as well in the closing stages. So that's a huge fifth place for McLaren. And to be honest with you, that's the best he could have really hoped for because Ferrari, for the most part this weekend, have looked to have the faster car. Yeah, like during the race, I thought um, it was a given with Leclerc being so far ahead that I don't think we could do any better for McLaren, but fifth is still really good. And as you say, the gap is 3.5 points or whatever. So, And then towards the end of the race, it was quite entertaining too with Ricardo, Sainz and Bottas at the end and Sainz and Dan having a little bit of a come together as well and Sainz not being too happy about it. He did damage his front wing. But yeah, I think, you know, same thing with Perez as well at the first half of the season. You know, there was a critics about how He's not doing too well um, being with a new team and all. And, you know, Ricardo copped a lot of criticism as well. But I think in the second half of the season, and particularly since the win as well, he has come a bit stronger. And then when you compare him to his teammates' race uh, this time around, it was infinitely better than um, what Lando went through. And Lando, that's another story we'll get to a bit later. But, um, yeah, you know, it's it's going to keep that fight going, hopefully, to the end of the season. And, you know, it's it's... 
it's kind of like he treats it like a home race, um, Ricardo as well. He fully embraces the the Texan lifestyle and you know gets gets every gets the handlebars and the, all that out. So I think it, he grows an extra leg every time he um comes here. Yeah, he does love uh, he does love going to Cote. He does love going to America. The uh, Beyond the Brit podcast really covered that as well. How much he loves going over there. Unfortunately, he's obviously not had a home race for the next last two years. But hopefully, that will change <laughs> next year. I really hope so. It's, it's well overdue. We've not been to Melbourne in a very long time. There's there's no excuse now for from, from a Melbourne point of view for a race not to go ahead next year. So exactly and we need to see that new layout that new layout should really help the flow of the track i think definitely make it a lot more high speed which is always fun to watch but yeah so next up we have valtteri bottas he started he qualified down in fourth but he had a penalty started in ninth recovered up to sick phil again it seemed like one of those races where he wasn't really going to make up many places he had a late charge which helped but Given his form, given the fact he won last time out in Turkey, it's a little disappointing that he didn't break through to at least challenge Leclerc. Yeah, it's it's kind of the ebbs and flows of Valtteri Bottas that we're going through here, and it was an and he's won at Coda the last time they were there two years ago, and he really wasn't a factor in the qualifying side. He didn't put the laps together to challenge Red Bull or even Lewis in that sense. And then in the race, because of the grid penalty for the sixth power unit, he was getting, he was held up and couldn't pass uh, Yuki Sonoda and, and Pierre Gasly. So then his race was basically run at that point. And then they try to run him long to get him, get some space, have fresher tires. In the end, it kind of did work out, but you know, Carlos Sainz was there and Lando Norris, which we'll talk about both of them here momentarily, but you know he was four, three and a half seconds off of Ricardo, and he wasn't anywhere near Leclerc all day, really. And it's a shame, but it's something where, depending on now, maybe he'll be able to get through the rest of the season without having to take another engine penalty. We might be able to see him um, make a push at Mexico, maybe make a push at the, one of the newer, the Middle East circuits um, and try to kind of bring a challenge because now it's really a problem where Red Bull has, um, it seems like both drivers are, I mean, we know one driver is at the absolute top of his game, but the other, the second driver is also doing a very good job. And Valtteri is there in part for, to go and support Lewis, but also to be able to score lots of points and and get podiums. And it's been a struggle for him all year, and he's going to have to turn that around um, quickly. Uh, if if he doesn't, they could lose both championships here, and it wouldn't be that much of a shock. So, I mean, consolidation race today, but I think Mexico, uh, he should have to do or want to do better. Uh, in general, uh, just to help the Mercedes chances in regards to constructors championship. Yeah, things turn around very fast in Formula One. After Turkey, we were saying that Bottas is back on form. He's been the highest scoring driver in the last five races or something like that, wherever it was. But this was not a particularly great race for him. Wasn't helped by the penalty, of course, before the race started. But 
still you probably expect a bit better from him. But there we go. That's how it goes sometimes. Unfortunately, it's never easy coming through from the grid, back of the grid or mid grid or whatever. So, yeah, Carlos Sainz ended up finishing in seventh place today. He was challenging. Uh, Ricardo for fifth. It was looking like he was going to get past him. Ricardo just said no, though. It was a great battle between those. And I think towards the end, Steve, his tyres probably ran out, but he still managed to finish ahead of Lando Norris, which is, of course, key for um, key for that battle in the Constructors' Championship. Yeah, no, Science did a good job until the end of the race as well. And just again, the speed of the Ferraris this weekend was greater than that of the McLarens. I think he did a good job as well with you know the damage at the end so you know this team just i just love the combination how well they've done all season and like when you look at um where they both are in the championship too it's pretty nip and tuck with um their points and everything so you know last year it was like ferrari are racing around with a hand tied behind their back because um vettel was just just nowhere but yeah this year i think you were saying this last time that Leclerc is kind of racing without, you know, the pressure of carrying the team as well. So, you know, it's it's good to have that other driver there doing getting the results. Yeah, absolutely. Both of those drivers all season, we've said it since the very start, they've both been on it. Carlos Sainz has slotted into that team excellently well and is still getting good results. It's not a disastrous result by any means because he managed to beat Lando Norris in eighth place, Phil. And I don't know what to make of his weekend this weekend. Ricardo just seemed faster for the most part. He did a very good job. Uh, Lando Norris still gets some points, but he will be disappointed to kind of be at the back of that top 14 battle, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and I think for what Lando's been doing all year, Georgia, he's had great runs. He's had opportunities of great runs. He's been in the top five in points all year. Having an off weekend kind of swapping roles in a sense from what most of the season has been where he never really seemed to have the pace. He didn't have the race pace, either the qualifying pace or the race pace relative to Ricardo. Of course, Ricardo, as Jawad said, they it's, he becomes a different guy really when he goes to Coda or anywhere near, you know, the U S and the, the fans love him here too. And it's, it's a feeling is mutual in that sense, but in regards to Lando, unfortunately, uh, pace wasn't there this weekend. But you know, I think he'll be fine. Uh, I just chalk it up. He got points. Uh, he was able to make the most of his situation, considering they weren't. He wasn't at his P. He was at his prime best. He was close to Carlos. He was making moves. He was challenging. He actually finished on the lead lap, which is uh, something considering how many guys were lapped today. It's something where uh, I, I feel like he'll he'll reset and go into these next five races trying to go and chase, keep that fourth place in points uh, as, a, as a battle going all the way down to the line, which, I mean, he's only a point behind Sergio Perez, and that's only after Sergio Perez has had another podium. So he's definitely... In that mix, he can keep on going, and um, I think you'll. I think you'll be okay. It's just you. You. You can't have great races every race unless you're basically Lewis or Max. <laughs> but you know the, the. As long as you limit those rough days and you're still scoring points, I think things will be okay for Lando in the in the end. 
Yeah, and if you look at the bigger picture at the end of the days, unfortunately for him, he has lost his fourth place in the championship as it stands. But he's still only a point behind Sergio Perez, who's had a much faster car all year. And he's still a good 21 points ahead of Charles Leclerc in sixth as well. So it's been an incredible year for Lando Norris. And for him not to probably end up not getting a win. I mean, who knows? He might get a win like this year. You don't know what, what's going to happen with this season. But yeah, if anybody deserves a win, it's that guy. But yeah, uh, it's not quite worked out for him like that so far. First, I mean, Phil mentioned that a lot of the guys were lapped this uh, like this race. The first, the, the highest place finisher who was a lap down was Yuki Tsunoda, Steve, in ninth place. And I have to say, especially with Gasly going out because of a mechanical issue, he did a very good job today. I think this is a lot more of the kind of drive we expect from him. Yeah, he's um, he's grown up a lot in the last few races. I think um, I had I had massive doubts about Yuki. I think after uh, I think after Imola, actually, the uh, just the qualifying incidents and that sort of thing, and there was a lot of talk that you know the pressure's getting to him and that sort of thing. But he's um, you know, he's still making mistakes. He's still learning. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people, including myself, needed to remember. Um, but this was just a really solid, mature, um, you know, level-headed drive, kept his nose clean, didn't hold anybody up, which is really important. I mean, he crucially moved out of the way for um, for Max at, uh, going into T1 in the closing stages. So, yeah, like he he's, he's had a really good weekend and, you know, he's taken a couple of points home for AlphaTauri when, um, you know, after after Pierre had to uh, to retire. So, yeah, um, really good, really good race. Once again, we didn't see too much of it, but, um, you know, sometimes it's a good thing when it comes to drivers like Sonoda because quite often when the cameras are on them, it means that they're, you know, backwards into a wall or something like that. So, yeah, really good drive, really happy for him. And I hope this sort of performance shows him that he belongs in F1 as well because, I you know, I've, I've changed my mind about him. I do, I do think he's got a place... Um, an F1 he just needs to work on that consistency and also just his um, his temperament as well we've heard him get very colourful uh, on the radio in the, in the past um, so yeah by, uh, you know just just keeping a level head and you know bearing you know remembering what he's there for and remembering that it's a learning year is important and whether he's had that sort of thing in the back of his mind this weekend or not I don't know but you know I'd say that this is a good um, it's it's encouraging for him and it's reassuring for the team that they have, you know, they, they've got a, a, a capable driver that they can sort of nurture and develop and, and, and work with. Um, so, yeah, really good weekend for, for Yuki. And, um, yeah, good couple of points. Apologies for the dropout there, by the way. Oh, it's all right, mate. Don't worry. We uh, we realised you froze and we threw the question to uh, Jared. <laughs> so there, wasn't, there wasn't much of a delay there. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It is exactly the kind of race that he needs. It's exactly the kind of race that Alphitari need as well. They are 10 points behind Alpine and Alpine didn't score points today and they never looked like scoring points, really. They've been... They seem to have uh, kind of probably diverted their attention towards it next year, but still fifth in the constructors for those guys. Alphitari going to look to take that off of them, though. Um, but it's going to be, again, it's another great battle between those guys and the constructors for the rest of the season, I'm sure. And the final point scorer today was, surprisingly, Sebastian Vettel, Jawad. And with about 20 or so laps to go, it never, ever looked as though Aston Martin were going to score a point. But they did, partly because of Jimmy Raikkonen spinning out. But still, Seb Vettel was there to take the point in the end. And it, it could be a big one from the end of the day. This this is a it's, again they could try and force the way back into that battle in fifth, but maybe now it's a bridge too far for them. 
Possibly a bridge too far, I probably think so, given the their form pretty much all season. It's not been consistent enough, but it was good for Seb on the day to pick up the point there, considering he did start from the back of the grid with the engine penalty. I think strategy-wise, they went medium-medium hard as well, so they were there, thereabouts. It was nice as well um, during the middle of the race, and I commentated on this a little bit, how... We saw Seb and Alonso having a bit of a wheel-to-wheel battle, and then we saw um, Kimi and Kimi and Alonso later on, which we'll go over as well. But yeah, you know, doing a bit of wheel-to-wheel racing was good, but it's not where we want to see someone like Seb. But you know, still picking up that point is quite important, and especially when his teammate really didn't have much of an impact on the race either. Um, I think you know, Seb flying the flag for Aston Martin is quite important. Yeah, other than uh, other than the crash between the two Canadians, Latifi and Stroll at the start of the race, we really did not see Lance Stroll at all during this one. It was no. definitely one to forget for him. He ended up finishing twelfth, but I think that just kind of flatter his performance today. But yeah, let's let's get on to uh, let's get on to the uh, the Alfa Romeos next. Antonio Giovinazzi again being eleventh. I swear he's finished eleventh like eight times this season, just missing out on points again. But Kimi Raikkonen was in the points until the closing stages, Phil, and it seemed like he had some sort of failure, but he managed to finish the race. I'm just thinking maybe he just made a mistake. Well, you have to think of. You know, the tires, I don't know how long he had been on the set of tires, George. I also think, you know, that first section, very uh, tight and twisting. So if you go and put your a wheel wrong there, you have a lot, you're liable to go and have an off. The fact that he didn't have a massive one as credit to his great skill. Of course, you know, Kimi Raikkonen joke around about how, he's bored he is and if he's really focused i think he was focused because if he was somebody else um you know certain people on this grid he probably would have put in the wall but instead he was able to recover unfortunate lost the points there the point there um alpha of course just playing out for ninth in the constructors at this point but and in his last races as a grand prix driver but this was a track where you know the long straights the the Alfa Romeo Sauber team plays better at the tracks where they have these long straightaways. Uh, the tighter circuits definitely are not their thing. So it was kind of a missed opportunity, unfortunately. Um, Giovinazzi, we have no idea. Um, there's lots of rumors going around about what this team is going to be and who's going to be in this team. So Giovinazzi right now is racing for a career. So, you know, I think... Uh, the these races, uh, considering what they're Alfa Romeo, we don't know what they're going to be, who they're going to like. You you kind of want to maximize those opportunities, and for Kimi Raikkonen, how many more chances is he really going to have to score a point in the next five races? We really don't know. So it's unfortunate that he spun out of that position, but he showed once again. They both had great starts today. Kind of showed once again Kimi Raikkonen, world champion you know, tough charger, all that, but we'll see what happens. Maybe Jedi or whatever the, the Saudi, because basically look like the Saudi Grand Prix today, when you consider all the, the middle Eastern sponsorship we had in Austin, Texas, of all places, it was sponsored by Aramco, no less. I'm like, wow, we must be getting turned into opposite world. 
Yeah, I must admit that took me by surprise too. And we also saw the Qatar uh, banners on the side as well in certain parts. It's strange seeing that, but obviously they've paid the money. They, you know, and they accepted it. So there we go. That's how uh, that's how this works, unfortunately. But yeah, so not not a good one for Alfa Romeo at all. Uh, this probably would have been their last chance to score a point maybe this season too. That va- that battle with Williams looks done. Uh, despite Williams today. Steve not having a good day, 14 from 15 for Russell and Latifi, but they've probably shifted all their emphasis towards next year anyway, and, and they look safe in eighth place. So I, I think I think this is kind of to be expected, really. Yeah, I think they'll take what they can get and not take too many risks now. They've basically secured that spot in, uh, in eighth in Constructors. So, you know, it's, it's nice to see them moving up the grid in that sense. But yeah, like obviously Latifi and Stroll came together at lap one. I'm sure many... Uh, Canadian apologies were uh, were uh, were offered towards each other, but um, yeah, George got up to uh, I mean he, he started twentieth, moved up to fourteenth, and basically just stayed there for the rest of the race. So yeah, I mean whether that was a case of them just holding holding station and just sort of, you know accepting that you know pushing any further would be running you know running risks, or whether it was just the typical Williams aerodynamic defects at a circuit, which does sort of stretches a car in every uh, in every sense. It's got some incredibly uh, twisty sections. I mean, uh, you know, that first sector is just a roller coaster, and then you've got some very um, uh, some very high speed sections as well. And we've seen the Williams struggle with circuits where it does demand a more, uh, I suppose, a hybrid setup. So, yeah, I think there were limiting factors in the car there. Definitely no limiting factors with George Russell as a, as a driver. We've seen what he's capable of. So, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, they were both pretty conspicuous by their absence once the the, the, the that part of the grid had sort of settled into into a healthy rhythm. But, yeah, I think you're right. I, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's very much a case of a lot of these teams, especially the teams lower down the order, putting all the resources they have into 2022. They don't. They don't have the luxury of additional uh, personnel or materials that you know some of the bigger teams will necessarily have. So they need to be quite strategic with how they uh, how they approach next year because um, it's going to be very very different. But yeah, good race uh, for George anyway, and yeah, just a bit of a shame for Nick because Latifi's been pretty good this year. Again, a driver I had my doubts over, but he's um, yeah he's been really you know a, a solid performer this year, and he's he's shown that he's. Um, you know, he's a good, you know, he's definitely, I think he's definitely got a couple more years at Williams at least in him before that, you know, like if he improves, then he might get picked up by another team. But, um, you know, like where he is at the moment, um, Williams seemed pretty happy with him. So fair play, but it's just a shame we didn't see more of him today. Yeah, another team we didn't see too much of today. I think you're right. Is is see that Williams is going to be safe for the number of years, but not, not just because obviously his father's back in, but also because he genuinely probably deserves it. If he keeps on this upward trajectory, why not? It'd be interesting to see how he gets on against Albon in the same car next year. And of course, more interestingly, we'll see how Hamilton and Russell get on in the same car next year too. That's the exciting one. But yeah, so we'll get on to the, the, the guys who are usually at the back, usually last, at least this time they finished 16th and 17th, but that was just because there was three retirements behind them, Jared. It's of course the Haas cars, Schumacher ahead of Mazepin, Copy paste back of the grid. It's the same every time. From this, you know, the only time we saw them really was when they were, they were being lapsed. That was it. That was it. And um, bit of 
peril there with um, Mick at the end, <laughs> not trying not to get in Max's way. And um, luckily, Max picked up the DRS as well from him coming out of the final corner. So a little bit of advantage there. But for me, I guess the highlight with, um, you know, this copy-paste situation is the fact that Mick finished almost 90 seconds ahead of his teammate, you know, that, you know, that gap is pretty, it's like (laughs) GP2, you know, like Fernando Alonso talking about GP2 engines again. It's, it's like a comedy of errors basically. So yeah, that's, I guess, you know, if Mick would call that an achievement, um, (laughs) it's just, it's like, yeah, (laughs) no words. It just, it's worth a good laugh though. Yeah, it, it is that. Uh, it's not. It's not very funny for Haas in their home race. That's how they perform. But um, there we go. That's <laughs> that, that's how it goes for them. Um, Didn't see anyone wearing Haas gear in the um, grandstands like you usually do as well. You know, the first couple of years there was quite a bit of support. But yeah, I, th- I think I that's think probably gone wants- away with this year, hasn't it? I mean, <laughs> yeah, no one. Yeah, now there's rather rushes colours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw one couple in the uh, in a, a crowd shot on uh, I think it's qualifying wearing hash shirts. Yeah, but they were the only ones I saw. <laughs> exactly, yeah. there was like one guy with a cowboy hat wearing the yeah. the Russian national. I mean the Haas shirt. Um, and <laughs> yeah. and then um, I'm like, okay, so that's weird. And then he's just surrounded by like Max and Lewis and whoever everybody else. So I'm like, okay, that's you're just I- trying to be. You're trying to be a trendsetter, I guess. There, he really loves Egghead. I mean, you gotta love Egghead to go and wear that shirt. I did like the um the face cut out of Gunter Steiner, though. Uh, you would have seen that yeah. on Haas's um social media channel, so that was pretty entertaining. So, I wonder if someone will do a cut out of Egghead um at a future race. That would be quite something, you know, if you're brave enough to rock up to the track with a massive face of him. Phil, you know what you have to do. 2022 USGP or Miami, whichever you choose, you've got to do it. Cut out, come with a go and show up with a cutout of Egghead. Miami, I kind of want to go. The the tickets are coming on sale. I don't know. I'd probably have to sell a sell an organ um, since we're talking about a Russian guy. So that probably would be a thing. So then at that point, if I have enough money left, I might go and get a cutout or make a cutout of Egghead and then sit in the corner where it's hard breaking and then see if it'll actually help him with his breaking um, zone. But it probably won't. He'll probably try to run through me. So it, who knows? <laughs> it might might not be good for my life, but we'll, we'll see You might get banned from the circuit for uh, bringing in offensive material, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. You are right about that. I mean, but the fact is I'll say I'm, I, we, we lie and say that I'm his number one fan. So it's like, hey, I want to show show him, hey, look at me. I'm the only Egghead fan known to man that isn't his father. And Gene Haas, for whatever reason. You know, like, somebody should support a guy that can't even finish a minute and a half within his own teammate. Um, like like every useless Formula 1 driver in the history of Formula 1. But whatever. I guess the check's clear, so... <laughs> <laughs> Did we actually see Gene Haas? Sorry. Um, did we actually see Gene Haas here this weekend? I don't think. Nah. I don't remember no. Seeing him, no. Home, nah, I'm pretty sure Gene Haas has just like disappeared off the face of the earth, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. I haven't yeah. seen him he doesn't even uh, show for up. a very long time. 
he doesn't even show up to the NASCAR races anymore. And and Tony spends half his time. Tony Stewart, the co-owner of Stewart House Racing, he spends half his time with his fiance at the NHRA races. So neither of the owners show up there. So Gene's like, okay, I don't have to show up for anything. I'll just waste my money running mid-pack everywhere or in the back of the pack in this case. Must be nice being a millionaire like that. Yeah. Imagine if Phil does do that, though, and actually goes to the Miami race, for example, goes with it with the egghead mask it's just like oh i'm a big, I'm a big, biggest fan imagine if he gets invited to the garage as like a, <laughs> like a fan like a fan experience thing you finally get to meet your hero nikita mazafik <laughs> oh dear i think well, let's just start a gofundme let's get phil to miami yeah let's, let's do it <laughs> i'm down with that let's do it i'd love to go to miami i probably wouldn't make it to the race though that's the thing <laughs> you heard it here first it could well happen it could well happen <laughs> Uh, manifesting man let's manifest it (laughs) they might actually put me in an fp1 if i can fit my big rear end in the car too so that considering how haas is selling their rides to anybody (laughs) (laughs) right let's get into the last team that we haven't talked about yet and let's ask phil about it because he's got a blue shirt on alpine Day to forget for them, really. The only notable thing for them today was that they had quite a few crashes. Ocon had his crash at the start of the race and ended up retiring later on because of some problem with the rear of the car, apparently. And Alonso, he was absolutely in the wars with the Alfa Romeos and complaining about track limits and all sorts, but he too retired, I think, again with another rear wing issue. Issue, yeah. yeah. It's an unfortunate weekend for them, uh, for Alpine. Uh, I mean, they made their year earlier this year prior to the summer break anyway. Uh, I think kind of like some of the other teams you guys, we've been talking about here, their focus has probably started switching over full to the 22 season. And, I mean, it's one of the roughest circuits that they'll probably run on, probably the roughest circuit they're going to run on all year. And so they had failures that they didn't expect. I mean, let's be uh, glad that, it didn't happen at the end of the front straight on the down the front straightaway, or it didn't happen down the back straightaway. Um, that they were able to feel it out and know and see whatever the the data and pull both drivers in. That that I think is the positive. There really isn't much else you can say. The engine, you know, situation going on too, and Alonso. Uh, and I think the the frustration, I'm sure, you know, when you're having to race Alfa Romeos, when you've been a car that at times has been in the top five this year, and then, of course, has won a race, to be back there with a team that's ninth in the Constructors' Championship, I'm sure that probably ain't going to make him happy. And when you know when Fernando Alonso is not happy, he will let everybody know about it. And so I guess it's kind of like wipe the slate clean and go to uh, Mexico City here a couple weeks' time see if they can recover that circuit is bumpy not nowhere near as bumpy as coda of course but there is some you know there 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 is there's a lot flatter circuit so that might help them and it'll be a little bit more smooth but it's been a couple of years since they've been there so we'll see what the track is like and uh, i would think that uh, alpine will come back at least be somewhat in contention for a point or two come next race but unfortunate weekend for them this weekend just glad they got out got out of the race okay in one piece because it could be much worse when you're talking about rear wing 
issues and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, the absolute last thing that we uh, would want would be to this cause a, cr- a crash or something like that. And it, it could be a nasty one as well. I mean, you've got the 200 mile an hour back, back straight. It could have failed on there. Thankfully, it didn't. Both guys got to the pit safe, didn't even cause any virtual safety cars. We only had a virtual safety car very, very briefly for Marshall picking up debris. It was a, it was a, lights to, it was a green light running almost throughout the entire race today. Uh, which is really saying something. Um, but the best thing for Alpine really is that AlphaTauri only scored two points and Aston Martin only scored one point today. So their double retirement doesn't really affect anything in terms of their constructors' battle. Um, but yeah, that's all the drivers. I did mention Pierre Gasly as well earlier on. He had a mechanical failure and ended up dropping out after just 14 laps, I think it was. So those are all the drivers. Those are all the constructors. Uh, let's get into our pick four driver of the day. And... I kind of wanted to give it to Charles Leclerc, but the more I think about what Max Verstappen did today, the way that he pulled those gaps for the undercut, because normally you'd expect him to pull out, you know, a couple of seconds or so, but he was pulling out six seconds and then eight seconds, I think it was, for his second stop. Those are some mammoth laps. And while going through traffic as well, while he was doing it, I can't overlook him for this. I have to give it to Verstappen. Phil, who's your choice for driver of the day? For me, I'll I'll go with Sergio Perez. I honestly think even though... I mean, Max is the easy, straightforward one, I think, because of what he did and how he was able to hold off Lewis Hamilton. I think the way Sergio Perez ran all weekend, as I said earlier, one of the best, most complete weekends he's put together. And he's been in Formula One for 10, 11 years, however many years. It's been a while for him. You know, he, I was kind of hoping, it's like, okay, if Red Bull's going to win a poll, I'll take Sergio Perez any day over Max Verstappen. And he had it in the initial run, had a chance again in the second run, but didn't just put just lost by a few thousands there to Lewis. He dictated the early part of the race, not just Max, Sergio did too. And he did his job. And and fundamentally, when you can compare him to his compatriot at Mercedes, he's running way better. And I think he is starting to find a positive, calm foothold at a team that has had a lot of volatility over time, especially in the second seat. So credit to Checo going home here in a couple of weeks time, trying to win the Mexican Grand Prix first Mexican since uh, Rodriguez uh, to go and win there. It would be something. Yeah, it would be. And with all the day of the dead celebrations probably going on too during that weekend, uh, it's going to, it's going to be manic. It always is manic around Mexico city. I'm very glad we're going back there. It's been great this weekend for the U S fans, like we've mentioned, but Mexico in two weeks time, that'll be another, that'll be another massive party. It'll be huge to see. Uh, so one for each of the Red Bull drivers, uh, Steve, who you were going for, for driver of the day. Um, I knew you'd ask this and I've been racking my brain. the whole time. <laughs> it's to, tough, to, isn't to it? I don't know. Um, I mean, the, the logical answer would be Max. Just, um, you know, with st- like there was a lot of pressure there. I mean, they obs- like he and Lewis didn't um, come wheel to wheel, but that's a lot of pressure to, mm. and, you know, and he, he sort of rose to, rose to the occasion and, and did the job. But um, I think I'm, I, I'll give it to Leclerc. Just A, to obviously break the, um, the, the Red Bull stranglehold so far, but... Um, he did a, a genuinely did a very very good job. I mean, Ferrari are in this weird position at the moment where they're they're still recovering from very publicised and pretty ugly uh, chapter in their in their racing history with the um, with the you know questionable engine that they were running in in the in 2019. Uh, it, it, it's 
it's really, really good to see them starting to to move up again. But but Leclerc's in this weird sort of position now where he's almost there and almost able to to harass for podiums and and that sort of thing. He did a really, really good job. And it was it, I actually my podium for today was actually the step in Perez and Leclerc. So we almost got there, you know, if um if Lewis had to drop back for some reason. But um yeah, like he did it, he did a really good job and he's he's like that contributes towards that uh, constructors fight that they're having with McLaren, which is very much a um, still, you know, that's still, that's still cooking. I think that'll, that'll go down to, um, to the last race at Yas Marina. So if he keeps putting in performances like that, they'll, they'll edge it. I think But his job, his drive today was, uh, was really good. It's just, like I said before, it's a shame we didn't see more of it. Because um, he did, um, he did a fair bit of actual on-track passing as well. He did yeah, absolutely. Jared, who's your vote for? Yeah, that's a difficult one, and everyone's picked uh, good choices. But because we're heading into, I guess, what you'd call the championship rounds of the season, it was hard to look past Max and how resilient he was today, and masterful as well. Um, and I guess you know they're probably Red Bull is still have those wounds from Barcelona where they don't want that situation of uh, being overcut by the Mercedes happening again. So, you know, they, they put in a really good job today and, you know, it was looking like at one point, yeah, you know, Mercedes, they have the advantage, they're quicker. Um, the Red Bull can't catch them on the straights and all that sort of jazz, but yeah, no, he, he did a great job and to hold on at the end, I think he can take that um, award from me this time. Yeah, absolutely. He's um, yeah, he did a great job today. This is a massive win for him. We all, thought, a lot of people thought that it was going to be a Mercedes, uh, you know, Mercedes track like it normally is. Especially after first practice, I think both cars were like over a second faster than everybody else. But in the end, Red Bull surprises all, and uh, you just don't know what's going to happen each week. We keep saying that oh, it's going to be Red Bull for the next two rounds after this, and it, it could well be, but it might not be. We don't know until we get into it. And that's the beauty of this season. It's so close between these two. It ebbs and flows brilliantly. It's a proper title fight. I know I keep saying it, but it really is. And it's, it's so refreshing to have. But yes, thank you guys for joining us on this one. I'll give you guys a, pl- a chance to plug your your outlets, your podcasts as well. I think all three of you guys do have podcasts. So I'll start with you, Phil. What's 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 the GSP and where can people find it? Gripstrip Podcast. Thank you, George. The Gripstrip Podcast is a uh, motorsports podcast. Cover all things... As long as it goes fast, we cover it here on the Grip Strip podcast and even dogs too, in that sense. But um <laughs> but uh we we go and cover Formula One, we go into IndyCar, NASCAR, electric whatever. We go into racing, we go into the NFL, sports, other interesting topics, myself and Josh. And uh, you know, we've been on eighty plus episodes, so we're 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 sneaking up there. We're working up there early days, but um, it helps being on with with you, George, and with the guys here. Um, made a lot of good friends and lots of great conversations. So you can find us at Grip Strip Pod on Twitter. You can find the Grip Strip Podcast on Am- Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, Pandora. You can find me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter and uh, my co-host J.P. Huffine at J.P. Huffine or Josh Huffine is J.P. Huffine on Twitter. So um, thanks again, uh, George, for the invite. And um, we're looking forward to the next races.
Absolutely. I always welcome Phil and I do check out those guys' podcasts. They cover a lot more things, like they said, outside of Formula One. So if you want to get your fix for things like IndyCar, NASCAR, all that good stuff as well, you can find it on the GSP. Formula Shakedown also have a podcast now, don't they, Steve? And uh, you're one of the guys on it. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's it's a very new thing. Um, it's so new, in fact, that we're still working out exactly uh, where we want to um, where we want to go with it. But we've um, we're uh, four episodes in now, so uh, episode four was recorded yesterday in a slightly more, I suppose, casual and unscripted uh, setting. Um, it was terrifying considering I hosted it and they had no idea what I was doing. Um, Welcome to the club, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, so uh, that's basically, just, the episodes are basically just being listed on the Formula Shakedown Facebook page at the moment, whilst we figure out the, the mechanics of it all. But um, Formula Shakedown itself, um, growing healthily. Um, so we're a, a largely Asia-Pacific based um, group, but wherever you are in the world, you can join. It's basically it's basically set up as a page um, or a group where um, motorsport fan or Formula One fans. We've got other pages as well for uh, sports cars and MotoGP and that sort of thing as well. But the form, the, they all follow a very uh, similar um, sort of uh, setting of just being very approachable and friendly and just to get rid of a lot of the toxicity that we see in social media nowadays, especially with Formula One. It's very, very prevalent. Um, so if you want to join, come and join. You can find us on Facebook, Formula Shakedown. If you're somebody who... Uh, uh, enjoys watching uh, drivers get potentially harmed or likes uh, voicing your opinions and uh, formats that typically get you uh, <laughs> removed from groups, then maybe don't bother. But um, other than that, please, uh, please come join us. Uh, the most wholesome uh, community on Facebook, I think is the way you described it a few times. And that's pretty that's accurate to be fair. Yeah. I'm doing, I'm doing your taglines for you. Um, <laughs> um, do you also have a show hit the apex podcast, which I think the main outlet for that is on YouTube and Spotify. Is it not? Yeah. Spotify and also Apple podcasts as well for um, those who have Apple products. So yeah, we're going to be recording this week. Um, got a guest lined up as well, which will be good fun. Good friend of mine who's been eager to come on for a while. And um, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, the race. Obviously, he's a closet Max Verstappen fan. So that's going to be interesting to get his um, thoughts on the season so far. And what's it like? You know, I'm sure his heart rate's gone up and down quite a few times, but also um, a big supercars fan as well for V8 supercars. So they'll be back this weekend, thankfully. So we'll have a look at um, what's going to happen this weekend and uh, yeah, preview the rest of the season, which I think, yeah, will be wrapped up in like five or six weeks time. Mm, yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, we've got to mid-December, I think, this year. So quite late for, for F1, but obviously we had the late start as well. So there mm. you go. But yes, definitely te- check out Hit the Apex podcast. God, I'm glad as well. I know I keep saying it, I'm so glad as well that V8 Supercars and Motorsport is back in Australia as well. It's been way, way too long. Um, and if you guys want to check out our show and some of the formats as well, depending on which ones you're listening or, or watching on, we're also available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Verbal, Omni Studio, and Pocket Cash. Just search for the F1 Grid Talk and all those. We also go out live on our YouTube channel as well, and we've just passed over 300 subscribers, which is fantastic to see. Really been growing on there. If you, if as well, there's also the competitions that are running. We do it every month. 
Um, if you guys subscribe to the YouTube channel, if you comment on the proper video itself, not just the live stream, the proper video after the live stream has gone out, or you give us a five-star review on iTunes, you will be able to be entered into a competition to win some merchandise, such as the shirt that I'm wearing right now. It's a Grid Talk t-shirt, and you can find it if you want to buy it outside of the competition at f1chronicle.com forward slash store. So, yeah, and also check out our back catalog of shows as well. We're coming up to 150 episodes. We'll hit over 150 before the end of the season, which is just incredible. I think we'll hit it for... Uh, Brazil sprint qualifying if we're still doing sprint qualifying there so uh, yeah so that's that's amazing to see and uh, yeah we'll be back on Saturday, uh, Saturday or Sunday sometime this weekend to preview the Mexican Grand Prix thank you very much for joining us lads I really do appreciate it thanks for having me. absolutely thanks for having me. Yeah. thank you and yeah and we'll see you next weekend until then goodbye <laughs>